passage, so maybe you guys can just bow your heads and just listen for a sec. Don't don't lose the don't lose what the spirit is doing. And we're going to take communion. Oh, but um, I just thought I'd just chat and ex- just speak through what we're going to be doing. Um, and in Matthew 27, I'm going to read from Matthew 27 verse 45. It says, "And now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour." So Jesus is on the cross. He's busy dying. He's busy suffocating to death. And darkness was covering the land. And in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and then, yeah, then it goes on to say how they would test, test Jesus' body and to check that he was, that he was dead. And finally, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And at that exact moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened. So at that very moment, when Jesus died, the veil was torn and we were then allowed entry right into the presence of God. He had paid the price to allow us to enter into the presence of God. read in Corinthians there's something that that follows up on that and it says um, Corinthians 2 verses 3 and then uh, let's read from let's read from verse 14 it says but their minds were hardened uh, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the veil remains unlifted because only through Christ the veil is taken away. So yes, even to this day, when when whenever they, Moses is read, the veil lies over their hearts. And when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So when Jesus died, he lifted the veil. And, and then, in a sense, we have got victory and we ha- were, able to walk into, we were able to walk into the Holy of Holies with him. But in another sense, we still need to accept him. We still need to go and say, Lord, I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. And in that moment, in that time, the veil is lifted from our eyes and we're able to see him clearly. So this evening, as we take the, as we take the wine and, and the bread, or the juice and the bread that represents the wine. Let us let us think. Let us remember that. So so when when Jesus was de- was handing out the wine to the disciples and sitting around at the Last Supper, he said, "Take this in and do this often in remembrance of me." So what are we remembering? We're remembering what he's done. We're remembering that he has torn the veil. That we are now able to go into into the Holy of Holies. We remember that his blood has covered our sins. That we won't fall dead in the sight of this of this holy God. Because in, in, in all honesty, if we had to step into his presence, we, we actually should just fall down dead. But he has made a way. We often sing a, a, the song like he's the way maker. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be the way maker? Uh, yes, he does make a way for us in our physical provision. And, he, uh, and we would heard a wonderful testimony. But I believe what it means is to be the way maker. He made a way for us to God. He is the one and the only. He's the only way for us to get to God. There is no other way but through Jesus. So tonight, as we go and we drink the wine and we eat the bread, 
maybe if you guys can just do that in couples or in small groups, let's just remember that he's the way maker, that he's the one who made the way for us. So guys, if you don't mind, you guys can, maybe you guys can all get the, get the emblems and just come back to your seats and then we'll, we'll uh, just pray together and we'll, we'll uh, have the emblems together. So thanks guys. who is full of sin. Thank you that your body was pierced, Lord, for my discretion, for my sins, that your body was pierced. Um, yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you took over all my sin. years ago. Thank you that you had each and every one of us on your mind when, when you were on the cross busy dying. Thank you that you took each and every sin, each and everything that I've done, each and everything that I will do, each and everything that each and every one of us here in this room has done. You took each and every one of those sins onto yourself and your blood washed each and every sin clean. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for your blood that is able to wash away my sin. Thank you for your blood that's able to make a way that I'm able to come into the presence of the Father, that I'm able to come into the presence of the three-in-one, the Holy God.
Thanks, guys. Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, this is my first time ever in front of people. <laughs> I just want to give a small testimony of a little one of who I was and who I am now. I'm not perfect yet. I'm working towards that. But in my younger days, I've been a cheater, a player, a liar, deceiver. And since I met my wonderful wife, Elenique, <laughs> the Lord has taken me out of that. I could never see myself ever cheat or in do anything of those things anymore. The thing is that when you follow or try to walk in the life of the, the road of Jesus, you don't want to do those things. It, it becomes ugly. It becomes filthy. You feel like... <laughs> If you look back at who you was and who you are now, it, it's two different things that that you are. And yeah, I've, I'm saved. I follow Jesus. I fall a lot, but it's not how you fall. It's how you stand up. And yes, thank you. That's quite cool, eh? I don't think his wife even knew he was going to do that. So, so there's a real cool announcement tonight, and I think no one actually even realized it, that Josh Jane Hermanus is two years old today. So two years ago, we were mad enough to plant. <laughs> and uh, look what God has done, what he's added to us. And so I just want to welcome the visitors here for the first time. I know that you guys are from Joburg, eh? You know Philip. Tonight, last week I spoke about gates. Who can remember what I spoke about last week? I spoke about the eye gate, the ear gate, your nose, your mouth, your hands, and your feet. And I was talking about how do, we, how do we keep these things closed? Like, what do we allow in? What do we allow out? And tonight, I just, I just wanted to just add a little bit to it before next week. So next week, we're going to dive into a deep one. So next week, we're going to talk about an orphan spirit. What does it mean to have an orphan spirit? But tonight, I want to I wanna finish off about how do we actually keep those gates closed in our lives? How do we actually close those things that we've opened up and we allow God to come and work in us? And Anthony already, where he started from and where he is today is something that God has done. No man has done it. Elenique hasn't. Uh, she's been slightly involved because she's married to him. But yet it's come out of his own decision to say, I want to be where God wants me to be. And I want to ask you guys, one of the most used terms today, and any, everyone has said it before, just follow your heart. Who's ever said that? Who's ever thought that? I'm just going to follow my heart. Hey? Do you know that it's one of the creeds in the pop culture? It's follow your heart. If, if your heart says it's okay, then it's just okay. But do you actually know that saying following your heart is actually a very dangerous word? Because the Bible says to us in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, I haven't got any scriptures up, so let's see how it goes tonight. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
So actually, if we follow just our hearts, we can actually get into big, big trouble. And then we're like, ah, you know, I followed my heart and it, it didn't go very well. And then Jeremiah 17.10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and I examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct. Proverbs 23.19 says, listen, my son, and be wise. Set your heart on the right path. So what we need to actually do is we need to direct our hearts, not listen to our hearts. Because if we follow our heart, it's deceitful. But we need to place our hearts in check according to the word of God. And let's read Matthew chapter 6 together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And it says just below that in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you're devoted to the one or despise the other. other. And it speaks about God and money there. But for us, either you love God or you don't love him. But our hearts need to be put in a new place. And the thing is that today for us as Christians, we, we struggle with, with this term of two selves. Any of you guys think that you have a split personality? So tonight you have one. Because what you do have is we have our old self on this side and we have our new self on this side. So what happens is your old self is your old man before you were a Christian. Was that quite a nice guy? Not really. Because you had, you had all the sinful desires. But then on the other side, we have the new man, which we become in Christ. And that means the new man has to technically kill the old man. Who knows the story of the white dog and the black dog? Or the white wolf and the black wolf? Which wolf will, be the, will become the strongest? So the white wolf is the nice one, and the black wolf is not the nice one. So which one do you think will become the strongest in you? The one that you feed the most. So if you feed your old man and the old pleasures that's in your life, this one will become the strongest. But if you go and you kill this one and you actually work really, really hard at this one, your new man, then this one will become stronger. And so we need to direct our hearts because we've got to decide where we want to go. By doing that, by actually saying, Lord, I want a new heart. I want to have it, even though my problems are still old, even though I still go through tough times. But Lord, I'm going to put my heart in the right direction. Let's read Ephesians 4 verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So the Bible says to us, put off the old self. 
Like we know all the guys that, uh, especially the ladies on the farm, the guys on the farm, they do get lots of snakes, right? Nice puffies, right? We've had a church joke about the puffies for the past year. But those puff adders, to be able to become a bigger puff adder, what do they need to do? They need to shed their skin, right? To be able to become a bigger snake. Yes, they do. All snakes do. They skin the, they, 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 they actually, to grow, they've got to get rid of the old skin and go into the new skin. And that's for us as Christians. Because the thing is, God has made us, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we carry that. So when you carry that, you've got, you're like a wine skin. And a wine skin has to be able to be stretched, has to be able to be moved into so that the wine can actually develop and mature into what it needs to be. And so we as Christians have to do that too. By taking our old self off, the things that we're struggling with and, and throwing it over there and saying, Lord, I want to be more like you. Ephesians, uh, let's do James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 1. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not ask because you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, and you that you may spend it on what you get on your own pleasures. So there's the self battle the whole time inside of us. Because it's the intentions and the evil desires inside of us that we've got to fight. There's a song that we used to sing when we were in Sunday school. Jill will remember out of Secunda days. It was, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little tongue what you say. Be careful little hands what you do. Be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little heart whom you trust. And be careful little mind what you think. Because that is the essence of where as, we as Christians need to be at. I'm not saying that we need to go and put ourselves in a little glass box, remove ourselves from all technology, remove ourselves from anything and everything around us because it's going to defile us. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God has given us the ability to say no to unrighteousness. We have, if something makes you sin, you have the actual choice of turning away from it and saying, no, I'm walking away from it. But the devil has made it so nice. Who's ever had Brussels sprout ice cream? Okay. Have you really? Imagine a Brussels sprout ice cream. The thing is, you can have a cone with Brussels sprouts at the bottom and ice cream on top. And you can make it as pretty and as nice as you want. But a Brussels sprout is a Brussels sprout. And it's like, I don't know, I think it's one of the vegetables that devil invented. Because I'm sure God didn't do that. 
But you can put cheese on that Brussels sprout. You can do whatever you want to do with that Brussels sprout. It's still a Brussels sprout. And it's still not nice. Right? But the devil comes and he does the same thing with us. And you know what, what happens? Nine out of ten times he catches you hook, line, and sinker because he makes something that is not good for you look like it's good for you. Because the Bible says he comes and he masquerades as an angel of light. So he comes and makes it look good. So the ways that we need to look at our souls is we need to direct our hearts to inquire God's wisdom. We need to ask him for wisdom. Romans 12 verse 2 says we need to renew our minds and we need to take our thoughts captive. That's how we need to do it. Think of different things. And even Nolan read it tonight that if, and I think it was outside you read it, was about when, when your enemy is against you, instead of going and wanting to, to go back at him, what you need to do is, is you need to feed him. You need to love him. You need to give outside of yourself, even though you hate your enemy. Because we need to go and we need to find God's wisdom. And by changing our minds, we need to also change our thoughts and take them captive. Any of you guys had naughty thoughts this week? Oh, yes. Don't all be religious on me. You all have had thoughts this week. It might not have been naughty thoughts like naughty, naughty. I know that um, Henny's thoughts was all just irrigation pipes this week. He didn't think about anything else. So there we go. So Henny had naughty thoughts about driving guys off the cliff. So Henny also had not so good thoughts. So we all had those thoughts. We all get them every day, but it's because the enemy wants to come and he wants to put it in us. Because if he catches your mind, eventually he'll catch your heart. Because if he can come and he can lie to you at church, when you walk into church and someone doesn't greet you, you walk in and you're like, Yo, no, check, uh, that church, they're just like any other church. They don't greet me. They don't make me feel comfortable. You know, they make me feel welcome. And then you know what? The next time you come to church, one of the guys walk past you again by accident. Maybe he's looking for his wife or he might be looking for his kid or something like that. And you're like, yo, check, again, now everyone is talking about me and no one wants to greet me. And eventually you leave the church embittered embattled, upset because someone did something which you thought they did which they didn't even know you did. Who's ever been offended with someone? Come on. I was, I was offended with someone for two years. And you know what? They didn't even know that I was offended with them. Because they didn't know. I was bitter in my, heart towards, in my heart towards them until we eventually one day sat and actually spoke about it. And they're like, guys, we didn't even know. Because you know what? An offense can't be given. An offense can only be taken. Number two, we need to direct our hearts to discern who we need to be connected with. You know, the Bible says there's this thing, bad company corrupts good character. So who you hang around with is eventually who you're going to become. So if you hang around with people that swear all the time and use Farney as a word, there's no Farney here tonight, eh? 
right? And they like to use the word Farney on a regular basis. You know what? You're going to eventually start using Farney too. Because who you hang around with is who you eventually become. But I want to speak about accountability. What does accountability mean? Accountability is when we get into a transparent relationship with everything in our lives. Like a husband and wife, we are transparent with one another. Kim sees me at my worst. She sees me at my best. Because we are transparent with one another. Nolan and Maurice, they see each other transparently. They know everything about each other. But it takes time to build that accountable relationship. And you know what? Without accountability, nine out of ten times, you can't break free of something that holds you. Because when something is in darkness, the enemy's got a foothold on you. But when you put it in the light, when you share it, when you speak about it, suddenly freedom happens. Because you're coming into the light. Accountability. So this is the following thing that the accountability partner does for you. They can remind you about what is normal. Like doing stuff. Doing naughty stuff. Like doing, let's say, let me use an example, yoga. All right? Anybody do yoga here? Right? Okay. You do know that yoga is not good. Because yoga actually opens you up for the dem demonic. So they can actually come to you, your accountability partner, the person that you allow to speak into your life, and say to you, hey, brew, listen, yoga's not good for you. And you can be like, okay, mm, yeah, ach, they don't really know. And on Wednesday night we watched, and Andrew was talking about accountability as well, and he said sometimes if what, what happens is if we don't listen, what we do is, is we go and we bump our head. And then if you don't listen, you... Bump it again, and you bump it again, and you bump it again because you're not accountable with people to be able to help you walk through what you do not see. Because we don't see the things that we don't know about. Many people get involved in things that they don't know is actually bad for them. And those people will help you if there's a pattern in your life. If you go and you get through something in your life, let's say, for instance, I get angry at let's use Tyra Lee as an example and I go and I scream at her when I get angry because it's my way of trying to to push my dominance on her my wife will come to me or Nolan will come to you and say hey Yaku no bro that's not how, how, how you do it but then the next week I do it again then Nolan comes back to me and says Yaku you're doing it again bro it's becoming a pattern in your life because the thing is, when something becomes a pattern for long enough, it becomes a habit. And it takes 21 days of not doing something to start breaking a habit. You know, it takes seven days for something to become a habit. We have cycles. Every one of us goes through a cycle. You have a cycle that is a really good cycle. It's like, yes, Lord Jesus, I've just overcome picking my nose, Lord. It's wonderful. And then a month later, you're picking your nose again. Why? Because you're back in the cycle. And so you fall again into the same thing that you've fallen in before, 
Why? Because it's not in the light. And we cycle through these things. And we just, we just, every time we think we've just broken through, it hits us again. Just when we think we've got through it, it hits us again. Because the cycle repeats. But when we become accountable and we allow people to actually speak into us, then we get breakthrough. And they teach us and they help us to take our thoughts captive. When you get a thought of wanting to push people over the cliff because they can't drive, phone someone and say, hey guys, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm really struggling. I want to drive people off the road. Please pray with me. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep of, from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written. And that's just a scripture to say that in the Old Testament, if you look at the old Israelites that were, were walking through the, the desert before they got to Canaan, they got to Canaan, there was 12 spies that were sent into the land. It was beautiful. They said it was overflowing with milk and honey and they had these massive big fruits and everything else, and they were like, yay, and two of them was like, yes, we can do it, and ten of them were like, no, 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 did you see the giants, did you see how big they are, no, we like grasshoppers to these oaks, they're just going to take us apart, and I lost my water, they're going to take us apart, so we're just going to totally be destroyed, and what happened to all those Israelites, they were unbelieving, that couldn't trust God, they died in the desert, and all they did was they longed to go back to Egypt, to the, the things where it was easy. Do you know that when you just don't love God and you go back into the world, you know that it's going to be easy? Am I right? It's going to be easy because you can do what you like. No one's going to challenge you. No one's going to come and say, hello, there's something here you need to work on. Because in the world, no one, oh, it's Oh, it's wonderful. We just accept everyone. Oh, we just love everyone. If Today, if you decide to be a pillar, you can be a pillar. That's what the world's teaching today. Tomorrow, if you decide you want to be a tree, then you can be a tree. You can be a car the day after that if you want to. Walk around going, broom, broom, broom. come on. But the world is teaching us that. Because they want us not to be challenged. But when you come into the life of the church and you allow people into your space, they come and they can help you see the blind spots, the things that, you, that you're struggling with and help you to walk in freedom. Like last week, may I use you as an example? I'm not going to share anything, don't worry. Warren came to me and he said to me, Yoku, there was something that I did last week. It wasn't major, don't stress. And he was like, but I feel convicted in my heart. Can you pray for me? You know what? I prayed for him. And how was your week? It's better. Why? Because he was accountable. He brought that into the light. Because when we actually bring things into the light, God can come and bring breakthrough in us. Accountability is the responsibility of the person wanting to be set free from the bondage in their lives. Accountability is your responsibility. It's not Nolan 
or my responsibility or your com leader's responsibility to run after you every single day, every single week and ask you, hey, how's it going? Are you overcoming your trouble? Are you, are you feeling better today? It is your responsibility to come and phone and say, Nolan, Brew, I'm struggling today. I'm really, really wanting to kick the dog. Please help me. Please come and speak into my life. Because you know what the big thing is? People must want to be set free. And many times we have people that struggle with things in their lives for a long time. And then one day they want to be like, I want to be free now. But they were happy to live with it for, for many, many, many years. Because we become comfortable in the things that we have in our lives. And I want to tell you guys, for Anthony and Elenique, for Anthony this has been a hard journey. But for Anthony it's been a big mind shift of what he needed to learn. It's been tough. I, I've seen this journey. Kim and I, Philip and Anna Lord, Nolan and Maurice, we've been involved in this thing. We've seen where Anthony's like, what am I doing? Elenique's like, I want to kill him. But you know what? God is doing something. Because Anthony's heart is open to say, Lord, come and work in me. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a man that loves Jesus. Because he's accountable. We need to develop a close personal relationship with Jesus. Spending time with God. How much do we pray? How much time do we actually worship him? I'm guilty of that. I don't do it half enough. Because you get caught up with so much other stuff. Work and kids and dogs and cats and everything else that goes around you. But it's like the Lord just spend time with me. Like this afternoon, Kim and, and Tyra Lee went out a little bit. And I, I had about 40 minutes by myself. And I sat and I put worship on during load shedding. We have solar power batteries for the, so the internet works. So I could put worship on. And I, and I sat there and I was praying and I was asking the Lord. And you know what? I feel so different to what I did before. Because when you seek the Lord, the Bible says times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. And you know what? He comes and he reveals things to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be committed. Committed to grow spiritually in the life of this church. Committed in communities. Being at those community groups. And I want to commend most of you, almost all of you, for being committed. We as this congregation, I must say we have a 95% commitment rate in communities. Other congregations are struggling to get 10% of their people at comms. So I want to say well done. We need to learn to be quick to confess. And we need to learn to repent quickly. Repent and confess quickly. Don't leave it. Sometimes we can sit and think, oh, but if they find out they're going to kick my butt. Deal with it now. Because the quicker you deal with it, the quicker God can move you on to the next step. Don't hold it back. Because you know what? The longer you keep something still and quiet inside, the bigger it becomes. Direct your hearts to avoid and to escape the snares of the enemy. Direct your hearts. Jesus is our rock in Hebrews 13 verse 8. 
He's the only constant in our lives. Everything else will shift. Everything else will be different. Everything else might be going through a tough time. You might have a great time. You might not have tons of food in your house. You might be eating toast. And it might be difficult. But Jesus always remains the constant. Make him your constant. And then we need to learn to live self-controlled lives. And there's certain things when we are not self-controlled that we allow the enemy in. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 18 says, A man who fears God will avoid all extremes. And it's uncontrolled lives that we don't self-control. We get excessive behavior and we get depleted behavior. Excessive behavior is tantrums, rage, indulgence, silly behaviors, being obsessive compulsive, addictions, hypersensitive. Those are the one extreme when we don't have self-control. On the other side, we can have depression. We can have anorexia. We can have a victim mentality, manipulation, apathy, being a sulker, being alone when you don't get your way. Pulling away because we, if we can't look after ourselves, if we can't live self-controlled lives, these are the things that we give into. We get angry quickly. Angry. The Bible says that Jesus got angry, but he didn't sin because he didn't react. Many times we react to things. And Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, Verse 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. An interesting scripture. The enemy has got access if, you're un if, you're self un if you don't have self-control. Because self-control is the point of where we can turn around and say we're going to walk away. But it says if we don't have and we don't practice self-control, we're like a city that has been broken into. You give the enemy right into your life because you have an uncontrolled life. You don't control things. You don't limit things. Who's ever been to a place where, where people go and then they sit and eat and it's like a buffet and you see this oak, he's just piling the plate. And he's pl uh, it's like third, fourth, fifth, and the oak's just gunning it. Because they're uncontrolled, they're self-controlled. When guys go and they're sitting at a bra and there's a whole crate of beer, instead of having one or two, he's got to have the whole crate. That's, that's not self-control. Because you open yourself up for the enemy. But the biggest thing that we need to do is we need to look for the good treasure. And there's a story in Matthew where it speaks about a man who went and he saw this field and he walked around in the field and he found a treasure in that field. And he went and he covered the treasure back up and he left. And he sold everything that he had and he came back and bought the field so that he could have the treasure. And tonight I want to land at this point of where we need to find what is our treasure? What are we looking for? And Jesus has to be our treasure. God has to be our treasure. Because when we glimpse God, then our desire will only become for him. 
Because nothing becomes more important to us when we actually see him. And when the more we seek him, the more we desire him. The more we desire him, the more we grow to hate all the things that might rob us from his presence. Because we need to seek Jesus. We need to seek God. He needs to become our treasure. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor with God. That's not, it is a treasure, but God is our first treasure. And God will add to you a beautiful wife, a beautiful husband, a beautiful person to be with if their heart is for God. If their heart's not for God, you're wasting your time because you can't make them love God. You cannot because it's got to come from here. A submission. That song that we sang tonight, like, Lord, I want to know you more. How much more can we know Jesus? Infinitely. Because there is so much more of him. You know, the day we go into heaven, we will get into heaven, we will walk in there, we'll see one aspect of God. A little bit later, we'll walk in, we'll see another aspect of God. Then we'll see more of God. Because he's just so big. There's so much to him. But we need to shift our hearts and take control of our own hearts and our minds and say, Lord, I want to seek you more. I want to know you. Because the more we seek him, the more we desire him. The more we desire him, the more we will grow to hate the things that take us away from him. And I want us to close our eyes with this. And Father, tonight, I want to come and I want to pray for everyone that's here. Lord, you know that we've spoken about gates last week, Lord, of how we can allow things in. And tonight, how do we keep those gates closed? Is by checking our hearts, checking our minds, but keeping our focus on you. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you would stir a desire in each and every single person, Lord, that they would want to seek your face. Lord, that they would want to know you more like never before. Father, I pray that you would come and like, like Peter, Lord, had that revelation when you asked him, who do people say I am? Lord, he said, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And it was a revelation that happened in his heart. And so, Father, I want to pray tonight, Lord, that you would come and that you would bring that same revelation to each one of us. Lord, that you would come and you would set us free, Lord, so that we would be people that would be willing to live in the light as you are in the light. Lord, that we would open up our lives to those that are around us. Lord, those that we can trust, those that we can build with. And Lord, that we would see your kingdom in us and flowing through us because there is none like you. And we love you tonight, Lord. We thank you for your favor and your blessing. Lord, I pray over every person, Lord, as they go out of this meeting, Lord, that your hand would be upon them, that you would just flood them with your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.